Friends, please pray with me. Spirit of the living God, speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak through us. Spirit of the living God, speak in spite of us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in whose name we pray, amen. This morning's gospel reading is found in the gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. Listen now for the word of God. And Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you would allow me on this Sunday morning to offer up a knock-knock joke... These are some of Eva Ruth's favorite jokes. They are usually good. She actually comes up with some pretty good ones. Sometimes they don't make any sense, and some of those are mine. But here we go. Knock, knock. Chickens. No, silly. Owls who chickens cluck. No? All right, let's try one more, one more. Knock, knock. Sheriff. Now, wait a minute. I'll be the one asking the questions here. No, because he's the sheriff. He's at, no, we got, all right. So usually that's about what happens in my household. And then Eva decides to laugh at her own knock-knock jokes. Now, the wonderful thing about knock-knock jokes is, of course, the mystery of the guest. What clever, fun guest will appear with what clever, fun names that maybe might trick you even and make you laugh? Maybe much like the guests we hope to receive at our respective homes. Doors are a significant part of our lives, both for their actual practical use and their use as a metaphor. We open doors to receive guests, but we also open the doors to our hearts, as Sarah was sharing with the children. There are famous doors of history. Let's see if you can guess some of, or, or know about some of them. There's 10 Downing Street in? London. 
London, where the prime minister might address reporters and the nation. And it's been the residence of the British prime minister for 300 years. It's amazing. There's another door that uh, is pretty famous, especially for our history as Protestants. For any of you who've ever been to Germany, especially Wittenberg or Wittenberg, Germany, All Saints Church, also known as Castle Church, to which Martin Luther famously nailed his 95 theses to the door in 1517, bringing about the German Reformation and the advent of the Protestant movement. How about Istanbul, Turkey? For any of you who've ever been there, there's the imperial door in the 1,500-year-old Hagia Sophia, a truly magnificent giant doorway through which only the emperors could process until the spectacular Byzantine building became a museum. Even in our ordinary lives, which might not feature famous doors, we are told by real estate experts that doors can heighten the sale value of our homes, and surely any designer knows they can make a statement. They can be grand and inviting. They can be unique and colorful, reflecting the owner's personality. They can also be statements about safety and security. And there's also famous doors in fiction. Dr. McDonald likes to reference The Hobbit a lot, so I thought I'd find a quote from the very early chapters. It's a dangerous business walking out one's front door, Gandalf retorts in The Hobbit. Doors can represent places of welcome, come on in. Doors can also be locked, slammed in your face, the don't let it hit you on the way out kind of doors telling you you're not invited or you're no longer welcome here. In today's parable, Jesus tells the story of such a situation. First, the setup. In Jesus' time, first century Jewish Palestine, hospitality was everything. And we might fail to appreciate how important it was. And so it's worth spending some time on it. The culture was framed by honor and shame. Your reputation would hang on the balance of your hospitality. Being inhospitable rendered you to perhaps the accusation that you might be a cheapskate, a selfish, uncultured person receiving all the benefits of community, but not, respond, but not participating in any of its responsibilities. Honor and shame determined whether or not you had friends and how many and whether you, will, you were still worthy of your family name or even your family's home. This is a story of hospitality. And we're told without any more context that a person has run out of bread and is unable to offer his friends hospitality. Now, in an age of paleo diets, this might require some explanation. Bread wasn't just a nice to have or a cheat day in the times of Jesus. Bread was essential for two, at least two reasons. One, it served like the utensils of the day. It was considered not only poor form, but also non-hygienic to eat without bread in your right hand, something that can still be seen practiced in Middle Eastern cultures around the world. So basically, to translate it, you've run out of forks and spoons and knives, so to speak, and all you have is steak to serve, and now how is your guest supposed to eat it? But the second reason, not just the inconvenience of not having bread, 
but it's bread's value, worth, and innovation. The thing that has made bread last for so long. In fact, the oldest evidence of bread making has been found for, has been dated around 14,000 years ago in Jordan's northeastern desert. It's because bread can be made relatively cheaply, abundantly by a single person, quickly, and can be easily carried for journeys, stored for periods of time, and is pretty filling and digestible for human beings, as long as it's gluten-free, at least. So back to our story. For all we know, it could be that the man was being visited by friends who in turn needed to go on a long journey and needed bread. Or for, for all we know, it could be life or death. It is, of course, a, near a wilderness area. For all we know, this could be the context. And so now you might see the importance of the request. But see, Jesus doesn't really have to bother with that kind of context. He doesn't have to really offer much of an explanation because his listeners would have immediately understood and overwhelmingly agreed that the man, though being inconvenienced at midnight, while asleep in likely a single room with his family, is, was duty-bound, duty-bound by cultural norms and the expectations of his community to be hospitable and provide bread. The offensive part of this parable is that the man would tell his friend what people might think behind closed doors, but never say, basically, this is inconvenient. The door is already locked. The children are asleep. You should have planned better. Leave me alone. And that's what struck me. The locked door. Because Jesus will then go on to say in the context of prayer, knock on the door and it shall be opened. But here's the thing. Part of how God answers prayer in our world is not just through the miraculous, mystical, and mysterious, some of those we have experienced, but through, though no less miraculous, the words and deeds of the followers of Jesus, that is, the church. The church looks like many things, but perhaps its most visible expression is in something sometimes called temples and sanctuaries, cathedrals, meeting houses, chapels. These are the local expressions of church around the world. In fact, in the medieval age, anyone could knock on any church door, any monastery door, any church representing a faith community, any door representing a faith community, and they could expect to receive bread and drink and comfort for that evening where they could rest until they could continue their journey. In fact, that is often why we associate the word sanctuary with churches. It was where people even fleeing criminal prosecution could find refuge and sanctuary from perhaps an unjust persecution. But here's a question. When was the last time you saw a church with an open door, not counting the one you walked through today? If you go to most towns and to most churches in the United States, if it's not Sunday or a special service or event, you will likely find not only a closed door, but a locked one. And not only a locked door, but a building with no one in it, with no services to the community. The reputation of churches has sadly become that they only do things on Sundays and only for their own people. 
and are otherwise not engaged with a community which is perhaps asking for bread. But I don't want to spend too much time on the physical door. In this age where there are challenges to safety and security, I'm not so much thinking about that. In fact, here at the Kirk, we have a security task force that has looked at how we can keep our campus safe while still being hospitable, how we balance welcome and safety, beginning at our doorways. And we have a wonderful team of volunteer ushers that you were greeted by this morning and are greeted by every Sunday. The door that I want to focus more on this morning is not the physical door, but the door to this community of faith and to the hearts of worshipers. C.S. Lewis has this great quote, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. I wonder if as a community of faith, people would find our lives, our hospitality, to be doorways to the gospel, doorways to the bread of life, doorways to faith. I wonder if when we encounter our neighbors, our friends, strangers on the street, people we might find here and there, that they would in fact find something like, not exactly, but something like grace, like love. Now, I've encountered some of those people, in fact, here on this campus. I've encountered people walking our campus and telling me it's so beautiful here when I introduce myself because I don't recognize them. And they said, what is this place? <laughs> I said, it's a church. And they're like, really? <laughs> oh, thought it was Hogwarts Castle Museum or something like that. I've encountered others who say, you know, I'm not a person of faith, but I feel peace on this campus. So I invite them on Sundays, come worship with us. I don't know. I don't know that I'd feel comfortable. Would the community welcome me? Now, there's a great tagline for our church. It's a beautiful church, but it's even more beautiful on the inside. So I have no doubt that they would encounter the beautiful welcome here in our community of faith. But the question remains, are each one of, or is each one of us a doorway to the gospel that people would experience grace, that they might in fact receive the bread that they're really hungry for because they're hungry. These people I meet, they're not the type of hungry you might think asking for bread because they haven't eaten a meal, though on occasion we might receive that request. No, these are people who are hungry for belonging. 
They're hungry for community. They're hungry for a space where they won't be judged and condemned for their past, for what they look like. They're hungry for change. They're hungry. They're hungry for a space that welcomes them in all their challenges and welcomes them in spite of not being understood, but welcomes them as having a human experience that welcomes them in the good times and in the not so good times, in fact, in the tragic times. They're looking for a community that encourages them, that lifts them up, that offers them a word of truth, a word of beauty, a word of goodness that offers grace. And I wonder, would they find that in their interactions with us? Would they find that in our community of faith all the time? You see, there is another scripture, the book of Revelation, and Sarah alluded to this with the children's sermon. It says this, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen and a healing oil to anoint your eyes that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Jesus here is presented as one knocking at a church's door and wondering if he would be let in. That's a strong word for us. It's a strong word for us, especially as we look to the future and we wrestle over the very report that Andrew shared, the self-study, our mission study. So we gather that information and we think about what kind of church are we? What kind of church is God calling us to be? What are we called to do? And I believe it's to be doorways to the gospel. Doorways that people would encounter the risen Christ. Doorways that people would meet Jesus and never be the same. Doorways that offer bread to the communities we serve in Pontiac and Detroit and around the world, but also the communities looking for a spiritual bread, a word of truth, of beauty and goodness in a world that has sold them a lie, that they are not loved that they are only loved based on their performance, that they'll never be forgiven, that they'll never be good enough, that they'll never be welcomed, and that they'll never belong. People are hungry for that spiritual bread. And I think knocking on the door is not so much us, it's heaven knocking on our doors. 
the doors to our communities, the doors to our hearts, and will we be vulnerable to let others in? I was moved to joy when one of the biggest highlights of the report was that we want to grow as a church. We want to welcome new people. We want to welcome young families and children. Because I wonder if the challenge for us won't be like this parable, to be like the man who says, but it's inconvenient. The hour is inconvenient. The person who's asking is inconvenient. I already have all my children with me. Everyone I know that I want here is already here. Everyone who looks like me, everyone who thinks like me, everyone who believes like me, we're already here together. We don't need anyone else from the outside. I wonder if the challenge won't be that we have been offered the gracious bread of life in Jesus Christ and there are those asking for us to share it with them to share the story of how Christ has made a difference in our everyday. I wonder if our challenge won't be overlooking the inconveniences when we're so comfortable and we're so familiar with how we do community here. I wonder if we can open up the locked doors of our community, open up the locked doors of our hearts and be vulnerable to hear the needs, the spiritual needs and the physical needs out there and how we might be a part of God's answered prayer and provision to and for and with the world. If I may have your permission once again, knock, knock. It's the Christ, the one who welcomes us and offers us the bread of life it is he who comes to us and draws near. It is he who offers up forgiveness and reconciliation. It is he who offers up the good news that we can be a new creation together in one world large enough to make room for the other. And the question is, will you open when heaven's knocking on your door? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.